everyone. Welcome to episode 39 of Manage the Wild. I'm Nick Madsen. Today we're going to be talking about interspecific competition for mule deer and elk and bison, cattle and feral horses. Researchers wanted to know if mule deer were being pressured to certain areas because of competition from outside their species. And they looked at the birthing and rearing sites because they believe that they are more sensitive during that time to competition. They're going to uh, more likely to find areas to reduce the amount of competition during those specific times. So they had a bunch of animals collared. They collared close to 80 mule deer. They had some bison as well as elk. And then they used cameras for uh, the cattle and, and feral horses. So there wasn't a whole lot of information going on with the horses. They didn't just have enough information to determine whether there was interference or competition. And they concluded that there was uh, no real competition between bison and mule deer and cattle and mule deer. One thing that was very interesting, though, is they started to notice something that these female mule deer were selecting sites that uh, the elk seemed to be selecting. So once they ran their models, um, they started to notice that there was a couple of key things that they were selecting for in their birthing and rearing sites. The number one preference that they were selecting for was elevation. They didn't want to be too high or too low. And then the next one um, during that week or the week leading up to uh, giving birth or parturition um, was the relative use by elk. They were more likely to select areas that were inhabited by elk than they were with areas not, which is kind of interesting because uh, researchers back in the late 2000s did a study up in Washington and Oregon where it was the exact opposite. And this is what's so, so interesting about studying wildlife. You can talk to a researcher and talk to him about a situation. He will be dead set this is the way things are. And then you move to a different state, different set of parameters, and that study gets thrown out of the window and you can see something completely the opposite. I should change the name of the show instead of Manage the Wild to uh, Paradox in the Wild because uh, there's always a paradox going on. And that changes the way you manage. So if you read a study and you believe that something is happening in one area and you start to manage based upon that situation, you could be manage, managing and causing problems because it's going to be the complete opposite. If you have a mule deer population that it is uh, being reduced in its numbers, whether um, one factor or another, and you're not sure, and you believe that competition is one of the factors that are limiting the population, you start to reduce all the elk. And then you come across a study like this where it says that that may not be the case. It, it would completely throw out how you manage, and it shows the importance of why uh, these studies are important. They, they may not be massive, groundbreaking, but they're still important nonetheless. I remember when the mule deer uh, migration initiative came out and Wyoming did their big research and they showed this groundbreaking uh, migration routes and everybody wanted to do a project like that. But most of the time it's the little projects in these small areas that have a make a big difference 
And even though they're not going to be universally or just recognized as these groundbreaking things, they still are important. Even though your area is small, it shows that there is value in these studies. That I'm ta- that I live in, um, talking to pheasant hunters, a lot of them believe that interspecific competition is happening between turkeys and pheasants and they have no information to back that up but they are dead positive that that is the case and then i was talking to um, one of the biologists about it and he talked about how the improvement in agricultural practices has been a factor in the reduction in pheasant numbers there is less waste going on the ground as the machinery has gotten better as well as the amount of pheasant releases that are happening in my area. There's less of them. They used to release uh, statewide 55,000 birds, and now they are just a fraction of that. So they're doing a lot less releases, and the ag practices have gotten better. There have been no studies in our area to show that turkeys are stomping the nests of pheasants as some of the locals here like to say. So it's important that uh, these, this research continues to happen. Again, it doesn't matter if it's small or large areas, but it just helps the way that we manage these things. At the end of this paper, uh, I thought it was really interesting um, that the researchers as well as biologists and all those involved, uh, I'm going to directly quote from them. Uh, at the bottom of this paper it says we suggest land managers continue exploring biological relevant variables to determine if exploitative or interference competition takes place between these species so even though you think that there may be interspecific competition going on there are other variables the difference in washington and oregon and utah is there's a whole bunch of variables moisture was one Uh, Southern Utah doesn't get nearly the rain that Washington and Oregon get. There was also an elevation difference, habitat difference, vegetation difference. So there's a lot of these variables, and they're always changing. And you can go from one valley to the next. One valley can be 500 feet higher in elevation and completely change the way everything looks. So it's important that these studies continue to happen because there's always going to be these paradoxes. All right, you guys have a great day. Stay wild.